Welcome to the People Analytics and Future of Work podcast with Al Adamson. Hi, welcome back. I'm here with Sharon Yaroslavsky. She's the CEO and founder of Cassiopeia. Sharon, how are you doing? Good. Thank you, Al. Thank you for having me. Uh, of course. I mean, you have participated in Pafal conferences in the past, and I've been taken aback each time that you've shared your insights and ideas. And given that you're an immigrant here in the States, and given that you're an expert in remote work and workplace experience, I just am really, again, taken by the virtuous perspectives that you have. So if you would, for our audience, introduce yourself and a little bit about uh, Cassiopeia. Sure. I'd love to. Um, so... I'm Sharon, I'm the CEO of Cassiopeia, and we empower remote leaders with actionable insights to improve uh, collaboration, belonging, and mental health. Um, our technology knows how to analyze communication patterns, so no text, but only the patterns, and provide uh, insights about team behavior. So um, this is what we do. I'm originally from Israel. I moved to the Bay Area seven months ago already. Uh, not the best time to relocate, I, I must admit. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and my, before Cassipia, my background is in the uh, product management. I led product teams in, in large companies, small companies, a very data-driven product. Um, and I'm also a lawyer by training. So I hold bachelor and master degree in law. So just uh, just been relaxing. <laughs> so <laughs> no, I mean you're obviously very accomplished, and you've uh, have other accolades which we'll share later, and as we uh, promote this uh, this podcast. But what I want to get into right now in our limited time is the this fact that we're in this remote work environment, um, obviously with with COVID, and the dynamics amongst people has shifted. I mean we're uh, as human beings, we're wired to connect, right? And we're not able to do that in this instance, not like we've we've become accustomed. And you have looked at this data that has been generated through activity to shed insights on, you know, what's working and what can be done to keep teams together and be more cohesive and more productive and, and so forth. Can you speak to, to that? I mean, what data are you looking at and what's the core value proposition and actually, you know, taking a look at that data and taking action on it? Yeah, definitely. I would love to share that. So um, we are like looking on um, several levels of, of the team culture uh, and dynamics. Um, so I think the first level is the collaboration. Uh, we are looking at uh, who's collaborating with who, the communication within the company. So for example, I can share that in many cases when companies is shifting uh, to remote work, collaboration um, within the team uh, affected, but also between teams. Uh, so it's really important to, to have a look on that. Um, a second level is um, new employees. So onboarding new employees uh, remotely is pretty challenging. I don't know, Al, if you, you've done that in the past, but uh, there, is a new, uh, there is a new set of challenges for, for new employees these days. Absolutely. So also looking into that. Um, Workday balance. So uh, what we see, and it's really connected also to, to meeting efficiency as well. Uh, what we, we saw is that um, when companies are shifting to remote work, but also companies that used to work remotely, they have their difficulty to, to find the right balance during their day. So a lot of companies, when they shifted these days to remote work, um, they try to 
to just close this gap with uh, over-communication, over which is really important and this is great. But also what we saw is that in many cases, um, just employees experienced too many meetings, too many calls. They mm -hmm. didn't have any time left to actually work on their personal tasks. So how do you find this, this balance you know, in doing your workday? So this is something we also help leaders find. Um, and uh, work-life balance is also very important. Uh, make sure while we're working remotely that people um, just uh, don't uh, experience too much work overload, that they manage to, to limit their work day. Um, so this is something we also help a lot with leaders these days. I, I, I get so excited when I hear uh, anyone, whether it be a business leader or an individual or someone such as yourself who provides services to shed light on this, uh, because it's so important. And in my view, having been in this field for a number of years, it's been a blind spot, this notion of capacity, that we're all limited by time, and that people are, to your point, there was this, uh, in many cases, an over-communication, an over-compensation to you know, give um, workers, uh, team members information. And that just was overwhelming is what, what I'm hearing. And in turn, how then do you calibrate you know, on an individual level, what is the appropriate workload? What is the appropriate communication rhythm? And if I heard you correctly, that's what you help think through and strategize around. Is that right? Exactly, yeah. So I can share, for example, a few insights that we provide is, for example, if there is a significant increase in meeting time for certain teams. So by highlighting to this, you know, these insights for managers, um, they can, you know, talk to the team and make sure, you know, how they feel about it. If they feel they have too many meetings and if so, what kind of meetings are redundant. So we helping leaders to be more uh, intentional about it helping them to find the right balance for their team. So this is just one example, um, but we have a lot of insights around team meeting and team efficiency and this balance of creating the right balance for uh, the employee's workday. So with that in mind, what data are you bringing to the fore to shed light on what's appropriate uh, at the end of the day? I mean, you know, in terms of meeting length, meeting frequency, uh, number of meetings per day. I mean, what data are you looking at? Yeah, so uh, we analyze uh, the calendar. Again, no content at all, nothing like that. Um, but we are uh, looking on the frequency of meetings. So for example, uh, the one-on-one -on -one meetings, um, managers with, with their employees, for example. And um, I can share that one in our product, for example, um, users can also decide on, on goals. So for example, if you as a manager uh, want to set a goal to have one-on-one -on -one, um, conversation with your direct employee every seven days, we will help you to do that. So mm -hmm. if we look at, for example, your employee, John, you haven't spoke, spoken to him you know, for two weeks now, uh, we will highlight that and help you to, to, to really meet your goals. Mm -hmm. um, so this is one example. So uh, we, we are looking on specifically one-on-one -on -one or team meetings um, and also um, how frequent it is and what time is it during the day. Uh, also, we consider different time zones. So there is a bunch of, of factors we take into account. Um, and yeah, we're basically just helping leaders to, to be more um, um, minded about their com communication and you know, how they create the best collaboration um, within the team. And, and so just to be clear, 
you offer a product and a service. So do you offer coaching services or is this all automated? And what, what does that look like in terms of your actual solution that you provide? Yeah, uh, so what we do, we integrate into the APIs of um, the video platform. Usually it's Zoom, but also it can be WebEx or BlueJeans. Um, so the email, uh, calendar, and chat, usually it's uh, Slack. Um, and what we do, we just take this uh, metadata and provide uh, a weekly email reports to managers with the most actionable insights for this week. And within the, the, the report that we provide, so you can find the relevant insights, but also relevant recommendations. And we work with the leading experts in, in the field of organizational development, remote work to provide these actionable insights. So it's all about, you know, finding the signals and also provide the right recommendation, translated to the right recommendations for leaders. Um, so yeah, this is how it works. And so when, and when you say leaders, I imagine it's organizational leaders, but it's also team leaders, is that right? Yeah, so we work, I can show that today, we work uh, mostly with um, leaders in R&D, a lot of VP engineering or VP product, but also with uh, people leaders, also with the people from, uh, from HR professionals as well. Mm. Um, so this is the main, I think, personas that we, we see these days. Got it. And so if I am going through uh, a strategy around return to workplace. And here we are, June 26th, I mean, return to workplace might be an ebb and flow, given that we have another spike happening here in the United States and specifically, you know, here in California. So as this ebb and flows happen, uh, the data that we're gathering, that you're gathering, is going to help organizations formulate appropriate ways forward. Is that a fair way to, uh, position your solution? So definitely we help uh, also organization to, to companies that either used to work remotely, but just want to uh, do it, uh, you know, to improve collaboration. There's always, uh, I love working with leaders that have the curiosity and always the need to improve. So we have this kind of organization as well, um, just fully remote uh, companies that uh, just, used to, to work remotely and, and just want to do it better. But we also have a lot of companies that just shifted to remote work. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm just amazed by how many, we're working mostly with tech companies. So how many tech companies just decided to actually um, give up their, uh, you know, their rent agreement and, and, uh, and rent fees and, and just go fully remote or, or just decide about hybrid uh, models. Um, so we definitely help also these kind of companies also to, to assess and, and, and to assess their culture, culture and make sure, you know, we are on the right track. So if we're doing such a major, you know, change in our culture, decide on a different workplace model, uh, make sure, you know, to, to, to assess how it actually affects our culture and our, our, weight of, our way of work, basically. What would you say to those leaders who aren't using this type of data and this type of insight? I mean, what, what would you say to them? <laughs> uh, good question. I think, it, no, on a personal level, I think that um, the shift to remote work just, uh, just um, also shifts a lot of 
uh, insights and, and power in using people analytics uh, information and insights. And I think for leaders that really want to be a better listeners for their employees and teams, um, they need to use this information, in, of course, in a very ethical and the right way, but use it in order to be a better, better listener, to provide better work experience for their employees, to, mm -hmm. to also spot difficulties in time. Um, so I think it, it will be a must for uh, leaders that want to, to lead remotely. Yeah, I... Unbiasedly, I 100% agree with you. You are very tactful and nice in, in the way you position that. I would go so far as to say, it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, it's almost bordering on irresponsible with not truly understanding how people are spending their time day to day and some of the risk areas. So, you know, as you move forward and you just touched on it, you know, there is a bit of, uh, Big brotherish, you know, it, it can get spooky. Obviously, you're a lawyer by trade. For those who have issues or potential issues with the ethics or legality of what you're doing, yeah, how do you respond to that? Yeah. So, so first of all, we are GDPR compliant. We we are very very careful and secured in everything we do. Um, I, I must say that uh, I think it's all about how you're using information um, and what we do. So first of all, we are not uh, displaying any insights about um, individuals that, for example, if you won't be able to see if you have two employees, John and, and Dan, you won't be able to see how frequent they, they are talking to each other. It's not something we, we, we provide. We provide uh, insights on a team level or a subgroup level, like new employees or parents, things like that, uh, because we want people to feel comfortable using the platform. Um, mm -hmm. So it's all about how you're using uh, insights in a very, in a way that will make people feel comfortable and, and for also, for making it um, for the right reason, right? Uh, mm -hmm. So if we're using it to not to spy on people, but just to improve collaboration, uh, belonging within teams, this is a very good you know, way to use information and, and data. So, Yeah, I 100% agree. And it does, however, take a, and correct me if I'm wrong from your perspective, a, uh, concerted approach. So obviously legal has to be involved. IT has to be involved. You mentioned you work with R&D folks. HR would likely be involved. So there's two questions that I want to ask and uh, I'll take a risk at asking them both at the same time. Of those organizations that are using the insights that you're generating well, um, do they have a multi disciplinary governance body or steering group that is consuming the insight in turn taking action or is it just you know someone from you know an operational um, leader and the related question is this is that you know how are uh, the leaders actually using this on an ongoing basis in other words if there's a solution that makes sense. They're arguably going to have to enlist facilities. They're going to have to enlist IT. They're going to have to enlist others. So if there's not a, a group approach to uh, 
commissioning uh, your type of work and in turn taking action, then I see things potentially falling down. So this notion of governance and you know, getting these right people in the room, do you see that or am I just not thinking about it appropriately? Yeah, so I must say that also the onboarding process of CCPI is pretty short usually because we are using only metadata, we're not looking into text, nothing, you know, very personal. Uh, so usually it's really easy for us, you know, we are very also, we designed the platform to be very secure. So usually we're going through, you know, security and legal pretty easily and, and the onboarding process is very short. Um, and the way leaders use these insights it's uh, it's really interesting because what we chose to do is that part of the onboarding process, a manager can decide on on their goals. Um, so, for example, if you want to have goals about your new employees, you have you can set up your your goals there. Or if you have goals about you know um, mentoring employees in general or um, just meeting deficiencies, so you can set up your own goals, and this is how you will uh, receive. Um, just a personalized report for you for your needs uh your goals as a manager because we we just uh from our experience we just learned that leaders get different priorities and and different things that are matter for them and this is how we we make our insights the most relevant for our users um yeah so this is how it uh, it works so uh, if i'm hearing you correctly what the what role does hr play um, if at all. And similarly, you know, who's the buyer? You know, is it HR? Is it operations? Is it the, the function that is actually going to, to use it? I mean, who's actually making the decision? Um, good question. Um, so I, I can share that we have companies that the HR is um, really care about making sure that the culture um, that we have is on the right track also while well, shifting to remote work or some hybrid uh, model as well. And the HR is a really good champion and they get us uh, on board. And sometimes, you know, they have the right leader, um, internal leader in mind, for example, that the, the R&D department or the marketing department will be, uh, could really benefit from our tool and they're a very good champion and, and buyer. Um, and in other cases, uh, we uh, actually, uh, like managers from R&D uh, just uh, reaching out to us and told us, you know, uh, we really care about um, creating better collaboration and, and belonging within our team. Also, it's really affect our performance, right? right. Um, so they can be also uh, just a direct buyer for, for us. Um, so this is, I would say it's like split almost half and, and half and half, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah it's, it's so interesting to me because I, and again, I'd be interested in your thoughts on this because this whole notion of worker experience, employee experience, workplace experience is who owns that? Uh, is it uh, operations? Is it, you know, is HR only influence? And so as we fast forward in time here. What would be your ideal use case from a customer perspective? You know, would they have a multidisciplinary uh, steering committee that would not only look at your insights, but other insights? Like, in other words, look at location strategy, look at recruitment strategy, look at worker experience, because 
you know, if I'm going to have an office, you know, I'm, how am I going to lay out that office? How am I how much office space do I need? And if I understand correctly, the insights that you're generating can actually inform those decisions and the dynamics that would ensue. Am I looking at that right? And again, just to ask the question more pointedly, you know, as we fast forward in time, what would be your ideal future state? And I know it depends, but what would be kind of the ideal model that you would like to see your solution uh, adopted under? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting question. Uh, I think as I see it, there is a trend. Um, and I think for your question, who's in charge of the workplace experience, um, I think it's, it's, we, we, see, we see a shift a bit. So if it was, it used to be only um, the HR people, the people team um, responsibility. I think these days we also expect it from our managers as well, our professional managers as well. So if I'm mm -hmm. uh, the VP R&D of a, a company, I'm not just expected to deliver really good code. It's also um, to really create amazing team, amazing culture as well. Um, and I think in order to do that, so for sure you need some kind of um, organizational, uh, on an organizational level, someone that will have a look on the, on the company culture and workplace experience from, you know, from a high level view. But in order to do it and, and really in a, good, in a good and effective way, in a way that can drive a behavioral change, you also need the, the tools or the, the system that will help also to um, deliver these insights to the actual managers mm -hmm. in a very um, 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 constant way of you know, real time. So people can also uh, learn from these insights on a daily basis and act on them. Um, so I don't believe in, you know, this is for sure there is need to be someone from on the organization level that have a look on that. Um, but I think we should also um, kind of delegate this responsibility also to our direct managers as well. Right. So I, I hear that there's an and in there, that there's an organizational kind of potential you know, steering committee or someone who's you know, really taking charge of the implementation, understanding that's happening and making sure the legality is taken care of. But it's really a dissemination to the manager level so they can consume the insight and take appropriate action. And that manager, correct me if I'm wrong, might be a team of 10. It could be, you know, somebody who's you know, doing a whole site location of hundreds of people. Is that right? Exactly, exactly. And this is exactly what we are, uh, what we are doing at Kisupia. So we just help leaders to, to get the insights they need on a, on a weekly basis with uh, just to help them to create a better culture, better, better dynamics. Um, so, yeah. Well, yeah, I have a couple more you know, questions that I'd like to cover. And uh, the first one is this, because you have an uncommon eloquence and passion around this topic of worker experience and, and workplace experience. Why? You know, what, what's your inspiration, given your background, to say, okay, I'm going to focus on this and deliver something unique to the world? What inspired you to, to do this? Yeah, wow. It's a really good question. Um, so I can show I, I worked for um, a few companies, uh, also as a, as a product manager or a product leader, uh, very data-driven uh, product. Um, and also I experienced some, I, I can say that some not that pleasant uh, work, workplace experience 
And in my view, it's, it's me, but also my partner see it as, as our mission to use data to really create better workplace experience. Um, so we are very uh, connected to this mission, I can mm -hmm. say. Also, I manage remote teams for many years. So mm -hmm. I experience these difficulties. And I think it's also more difficult or more challenging to create amazing work experience while working remotely. There is just a whole new set of challenges. Mm -hmm. um, so I think this is, and, and what we see is that data can really um, make a difference. Insights can really help leaders to do that, so. Yeah, absolutely agreed. And, th and thank you for, for sharing, because I, you know, I, I, can, I can sense your enthusiasm and I, I, I understood that there was something deeper there, which actually brings me into one of the final questions that I, I want to ask you today is that you've, said before we started recording here that you know you're an immigrant and you actually shared that um, that you just moved here to the state seven months ago and you, there's certain you know dynamics that are happening in american society now that are long overdue uh, black lives matter um, there's also been a long-standing movement which is starting to gain traction uh, derived not maybe derived, but amplified by the Me Too movement, but around gender equity, pay equity, and, and so forth. So I know, given your values, that this these themes are very important to you. And you know, you being there in Oakland, it's been front and center. You've actually seen a lot of this, you know, happen. So, so what are your thoughts and feelings you know, around the dynamics that you're observing as an immigrant here in the United States? Yeah, it's it's really thank you, thank you for this question. Um, so yeah, as you mentioned, I live in Oakland and me and my husband, we, we love Oakland. It's, it's uh, so diversified. There's a lot of great culture and, and art and we just love it really. Um, and um, also I love that inclusion and diversity inclusion is a big part of the, of the city's values. Mm -hmm. um, and I relocated to, to the US um, seven months ago. And I must admit that, uh, you know, I, I I'm a great supporter of the Black Lives Matter uh, movement, but also I can share that I feel that, to be honest, as an Israeli, uh, I can't really understand how it's like to be a, a Black person in America. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's just so different. Um, and in the last Black History Month, just before the the pandemic before the COVID-19 outbreak. Um, I attended uh, the Black History event in Auckland in, in the Kapoor Center. And here, um, I, I went there to, to hear more stories and perspective about how it's like to be a Black person in, in the US. And it was eye-opening. Um, I can share that being uh, an Israeli or a Jewish woman, uh, I got my own challenges, but this is just you know a completely different experience. And I think that you know, in light of the recent event, um, it just teaches us that we need to be more empathetic. We, we need to make the extra, extra step, extra effort to understand what the other person is going through and see how we can make things better for people, you know, in our society, but also in the workplace. Um, so this is how I see it. Well, I mean, yeah, thank you for sharing that. And thank you, gosh, on behalf of, you know, our society that you made an effort to learn about the black experience here in, in America. We need more Americans, you know, d doing that. It's, uh, it's, 
it, it cannot be ignored anymore. It's been ignored uh, too long and I'll also throw in the Native American experience as well. It is something that, uh, you know, it comes, uh, it's very evident in how you're, you're coming across it. You're very curious uh, about people's experience day to day. So it's unsurprising that you're talking about empathy and the need to, to understand. And having lived in Berkeley and Oakland uh, as well, I am too a huge fan. In fact, uh, I miss uh, those attributes you know, of, of those towns or those cities. So yeah, thank you uh, for sharing. So as we start to wrap up, any you know, closing comments, tidbits of advice that you might want to share? Um. Yeah, so I would say that as we discussed here, um, you know, as we shift to remote work or some kind of new workplace models, um, just be very um, minded about how it affects our culture and how what kind of tools and insights we need to, to make sure we're on the right track. Um, so I would, I think I will end with this uh, message. I think it's the most important one for today. Well, Sharon, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for doing what you do and uh, look forward to seeing you in person. Hopefully not too long. You know, we're not too far away. So hopefully uh, you know, things will improve and uh, we'll be able to do something live in person. And, uh, but until then, you be well and uh, you know, all the best to you and your team there at Cassiopeia. Thank you. Thank you so much, Al. Thank you. Take, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining the People Analytics and Future of Work podcast with Al Adamson. To find other podcasts, videos, upcoming events, and to join the Global People Analytics Network, please visit us at globalpeopleanalytics.net.